Summer in the city and the air is still. Welcome to the Wizards of Drivel podcast and it's our season preview special looking ahead to the 2019-2020 campaign. My name is David Callowshaw and I've been missing in action for the last five or six weeks. Plenty of reasons for that but chief among them was a Cricket World Cup hangover. So when people have asked me how Stoke's summer was going, I'd grin like an idiot and talk about Ben's match-saving performances with the bat. And when people would tweet decrying our lack of pace, I'd tell them to shut up because Joffre Archer was consistently bowling 90-plus miles an hour. (laughs) I've just about gotten over the greatest thing to have ever happened. So now it's back to the world of Stoke City, where the only bouncers you have to worry about are the ones outside the harvester on match day. Anyway... Joining me are two men who've been steadying the good ship wizards in my absence, Chris Brammer and Tom Thrower. How are you, Chris? I'm, I'm really well, Dave, thank you. It's nice to have you back and uh, leading this thing, because I don't know if you listened to any of Tom and I's episodes, but, <laughs> I mean, we we had a chat about Toy Story for ages on one of them, so... I'll get to that in a sec, I'll get to that in a sec. Uh, Tom, how are you? I'm still here. That's how I am. And I'm like the mouldy thing in the corner of your room that you should have taken out a while ago, but now it's got so disgusting that you're just sort of hoping it sorts itself out. Oh, interesting. <laughs> um, well, I'm glad you. I'm glad you brought uh, that up, Chris. Just that you know, it's kind of an interesting one, given there are now about thirty-two thousand Stoke City podcasts out there. I just feel like this show has an obligation to be a bit of a standard bearer when it comes to Stoke City content. So spending about 20 minutes talking about Kerrang! I'm not upset. I'm not upset. You know, I'm just feel like certain standards may be slipped. Also, Skater Boy was fucking robbed. Anyway. <laughs> oh. Anyway. Uh, we will press on and actually discuss Stoke City Football Club. You remember what that is? Yeah, right, okay, cool. Um, Yeah, so uh, a bit of a sombre note on which to start is that I think the main uh, news from the past week is a really, really awful, sickening, horrible injury to our captain, Ryan Shawcross. Uh, Of course, all our best wishes go out to him. Uh, we don't know the full extent of the injury yet. Nothing official has been reported at this stage. We'll probably hear uh, the what and the how of the injury uh, tomorrow. But yeah, just an absolutely shit note to kind of end pre-season on, wasn't it? It was really grim as well. Like mm. a lot of the times injuries that are grim like that involve people like slide tackling each other I've probably never seen one that's it's like an, a freak accident like that because I just remember I, I didn't go to the game I was watching it on Leicester's stream which was excellent well done Leicester streaming live football matches that can be done well amazing um, and I just remembered seeing messages start popping up saying oh I think Shawcross is like really bad and then obviously that was a bit ahead of the stream and you saw it and it was Really, really disgusting um, and just, it's crap because he looked so good going into uh, the start of the season. Like he seemed to be, from what we'd seen through highlights and stuff, just fitter and stronger and getting back towards the Ryan Shawcross of old um, prior to sort of his injury troubles. And it's just a bit crap that um, 
we've had him robbed of us a week before the season starts. Yeah, it's. I don't know if there's much more we can uh, really say about that other than just kind of, we just, fingers crossed, uh, it's not as bad as it looks, but it does look very bad indeed. Um, on to the kind of Leicester game in general then, a, a 2-1 home defeat. Um, I've seen kind of mixed responses to this. I've seen some positive comments and a, a lot of negative ones as well. This was pretty much a, a full strength Leicester City side, you'd say. Um, and I saw maybe the last half an hour, but I think we created some chances. Uh, obviously, the penalty. Uh, our goal was a fluke, admittedly. But I don't know. What what, what did we think, Chris? Would, do Are we... Uh, Seeing the glasses half full or half empty after this performance. Mm-hmm. Do you know what? I think it was it was decent. The first half especially, I think if you compare matches from the back end of the of last season to that preseason friendly, I think that you can really, really see the um the improvements in the team. I obviously the the, the caveat of that is there's a there's a lot to go. Um we, we're not the finished article yet. There are still a lot of things that that do need working on, um, but I do think that we we played we played well, and this was against a side who, arguably, will be in the top half of the Premier League next season. You you would imagine. I thought that they they didn't embarrass themselves, and I think that's one of the main things. I think, <laughs> my God, we've seen some pre-season friendlies where, where we have embarrassed ourselves in recent years. Um, it's I'm kind of taking that uh, sitting on the fence, uh, splinters on my bum t- type thing, where I don't think we were really, really good, but equally, some of the complaints that I've seen, I just, just don't agree with, and I just don't... It's it's not even like a, a it is literally you've seen the same thing I've seen, uh, but you have just interpreted that completely differently. I've seen uh, issues around pace, uh, around the, the possession of the ball, and I thought yesterday we were a lot better at that type of thing. Um, is it the performance of a team that I think will be challenging for promotion? On the back of that performance, I would say maybe not in the automatic places. I think there's, again, we've got a lot of stuff to do. Um, but you can certainly see what Jones has tried to do, and you can certainly see that this is a team that is better than it was last year, last season. Um, I'm just... It's always... Stoke fans, you're just ingrained to be a little bit negative, aren't you? I think. So it's very difficult for me to be like, yeah, it was great, because... I, yeah, I think people have gone massively overboard because I just saw it as a really pleasing performance. I'd say with with Wolves' involvement in Europe this season, Leicester aren't just a team who are going to finish in the top half of the Premier League this season. They're probably the favourites to win the league outside of the top six um, and to make a team of that quality change their shape at half-time because of how effective we were playing and because... Brendan Rodgers thought that it, it would be good for his side to sort of try and shift and, and, and deal with the threats that Stoke were facing. And and at the end of the day, we were a penalty miss away from drawing and yeah. Benny Kofobi's bizarre yips from winning 4-2. Um, he had 
two stunning chances, one a literal open goal um, and a really good ball through from Allen at the start of the second half. So if we were in the Premier League and we'd put a performance in like that, either in the Premier League or just before the season would start in, I'd still be happy. So the fact that we're now as a championship side um, and putting in a performance against such a high quality side is pleasing, especially when you consider, A, this time last pre-season, we were getting played off the park by St. Pauli. We couldn't even lay a finger on them. And B, just look at some of the other results that we've seen in the um, championship pre-season matches. We've had Brentford get smashed 3-1 at home um, by a not, super full strength Bournemouth team we've had Bristol City who a lot of people are really liking going into the season getting absolutely destroyed by Palace 5-0 with no Wilfred Zaha and with no um, Aaron Wan-Bissaka I I just I I don't get it It, it's pre-season yeah we all got really leggy after 75 minutes but that's because Jones wanted to give all of the team 90 minutes I I just I thought we were really damn good for what we have put in against Leicester previously sort of in the last three or four seasons so yeah and I did I thought as well and this isn't to try and um you know say that oh it it didn't matter but I did feel that um when Ryan came off injury wise I thought the atmosphere was noticeably a lot more downbeat um it seemed that players were a a little bit put off by that and the second half the energy certainly wasn't as there that same adds to what Tom was saying it was a little bit leggy towards the end um I think the big thing for me is space that we allowed Leicester down the flanks now that's going to happen with this system I get that and that's modern football much to people's annoyance that was one of the big issues I've seen uh, from negative takes on the game but um it's something that we'll that we'll work on. James McLean at left back is something that will get better. Um, it's it's a work in progress, but in terms of, I don't feel like oh god, we're going into QPR next week and we are we we've lost our captain. We've lost. Our, I think I think that's telling actually. We've lost our captain. He's probably out for the season, and I do not feel like oh god. Well, that's. That's our season over before it starts. We've lost our our talisman there. I think that tells you that this is, you know, it's not all doom and gloom. Yeah, and again, I I'm not a I'm not someone who reads an awful lot into preseason friendlies. Even though this one is like our last preseason friendly before the season, and it's very, probably very close to the starting eleven that will play against QPR, maybe with a couple of exceptions. But, yeah, uh, you got a good run around. Yes, we did look tired towards the end, but we, yeah, it's pre-season against the Premier League side. What do you expect? I'd say the my only big concern, uh, apart from the injury, was um, like the, the fact that the goals came from wide areas. And you, uh, you mentioned McLean there. McLean left back instant kind of panic buttons for a lot of fans there but mm-hmm. I thought he he did offer something on the overlap going forward so that that might be something that balances itself out in the long run um Tommy Smith versus Tommy Edwards again I feel like that question uh will be answered at some point early on in the season and I think uh talent will win out over experience or fans favoriteness there so um yeah even even my big concerns I've, I've kind of 
taken in my stride. Uh, so yeah, that that was a Leicester game. Um, other kind of news during the week I want to briefly touch on. Um, uh, John Percy basically confirming that Bojan is off, as we all knew, um, but he's not off yet. Still don't know what's happening here. Uh, but uh, uh, one man who's definitely definitely gone is uh, Mark Cartwright, um, kind of Stoke technical director. I don't know what his official title was. Um, but yeah, the, the signings bloke. Um, Tom, I've, I've read a lot of jubilation at this and uh, but I've, again I think you might be of the mind that Mark Cartwright's been maybe maybe a bit uh, unfairly judged in the eyes of a lot of Stoke fans yeah I'm I'm not unhappy well I'd say I'd say I am happy about the decision just because it, it's a chance to do something new rather than a I'm happy that Cartwright's gone I think he was brought in for a very specific purpose of getting away from our Tony Pulis business, which we've reverted back to um, this summer, sort of focusing on domestic talent. Um, and he did a bloody good job of it initially. I, I don't think we signed Marko Nortovic or, or Mark Munez or Bojan with, um, without Mark Cartwright. It, equally, we, we might not have signed Gianelli and Bueller or Kevin Wimmin, Kevin Wimmer because of his involvement but if we're to believe the club that was because those are the players Hughes picked and uh, we just sort of gave Hughes too much power I think Cartwright hasn't been helped by the uh, total lack of transparency by the club Um, unless there is transparency and every time a manager sits and says I have the final choice we just aren't listening to him because that doesn't suit our agendas etc but it'd be interesting to see what direction we go in. Um, I, I hope we we do a sensible appointment and bring someone in who has like qualifications and hasn't just played for the club for a bit, which apparently means they're good at transfers or something. So yeah, it's 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 not sad, but it's not. It's, I'm not having a party. Mm. Yeah, I think <laughs> you, we we kind of have to uh, accept for all the the flops apparently, but. Uh, bought in under his watch uh, there were some cracking signings as well and a lot of the time the the success of a signing is not to do uh, with the actual acts of signing them in the first place there's all kinds of tactical and physical and psychological emotional reasons why a player doesn't work out as well so just saying oh he bought them therefore he's bad at his job is maybe a bit reductive but yeah um, it's it's a possibly nice to have that clean break uh, from from the Hughes era, if you like. Um, and looking ahead to the future, uh, more news from the week. Uh, a new contract for centre-back Nathan Collins, uh, especially kind of uh, important, I suppose, given what happened to Ryan Shawcross uh, in the friendly. But um, this is this is really positive news, right? I, I don't know what his uh, future's <laughs> going to be in terms of first-team involvement next season. Or, or Chris, what, what do you think? Do you think he's got a... A chance of breaking through this season. Um, as much chance as any of the other youngsters who have been in and around the uh, the first team squad, I'd say. Um, it's it's yeah, it's a it's great that he's he signed an extra deal, uh, an extra years deal or whatever. Uh, if if only for the cynical reason of it increases the value of any transfer. Mm. Um, it it will be it will be really interesting because I don't think Nathan Jones is afraid 
to play the young players if they're if they are good enough. I think. Well, it'd be lovely to see the likes of Campbell and Edwards playing more. Edwards, I think, will be in and around the team. Campbell, there's been a lot of shout that he might still go out on loan, and I really don't don't want that. I think having a young player as the rotation option is is good. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think it's a good thing for for Collins. I'd like to see him come through. Of course, I would. I think everyone wants to see more players from the academy production line come through. I honestly couldn't tell you anything about him though because don't think I've ever seen. I couldn't actually tell you what he looks like <laughs> because. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why, Dave. He's not a player who has a face on Football Manager. <laughs> yes, he's quite regen um, in his face. He's like, yeah, oh no. no. No what, distinctive like, super features. He doesn't look like he he's been built like, on a computer. He looks like a criminal, a, a criminal e-fit type thing. <laughs> oh, that's a worry. <laughs> Even his name is quite regeny, isn't it? Nathan Collins. <laughs> like, uh, come on. Um, but yeah, I, 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 I'm really positive about uh, this. Uh, people who watch the academy teams regularly. Really, really highly rate him. He's obviously been linked to Man United for a reason. Um, yeah. he, he did that uh, cameo against Swansea away where he uh, pinged the ball across yes. the park and looked very, very assured. So that's nice. Whether he can uh, break through past uh, the likes of Bart, Lindsay, Martins Indy, although Martins Indy's a question mark, Ryan Shawcross, also a question mark now. Well, Potentially a door is opening there. Sutor's gone out on loan, so y- well, you never yeah. know. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Jones has said that he wants two players in every position. And if we assume that Shawcross is out for a long time, that makes Collins the fourth centre-back. Mm. So, two for each centre position. Um, so, you'd think that unless, unless they go out and get another centre-back, which I highly doubt, he would be that option. And, and f- yeah, fair enough. I think that people are um, far more patient with young players who've come from the academy than they would be with some other player who we buy in. And I think that it's, if if you're wanting to restore faith from the fan base and you're wanting them to get more patient with the side, I, I don't think there's any harm in putting some younger players in the team who people will have a bit more patience for. <laughs> Equally. Um, I just feel that that, that, attitude of oh we'll give the kids a bit more time perhaps is like a lingering from last season where we really didn't have anything to play for I think if the season starts and we are pushing up to the top and we have things to fight for and we're fighting for promotion that that length of rope won't be as kind and it won't be necessarily an environment for a youngster to come in and if they're struggling sort of try and stay above water in which I think is nice about the depth that we do have Experience-wise, we have players who have good heads on their shoulders who can either help those young kids along or step in if they aren't coping. I was going to say, but it's just—it's very, very different, isn't it? From let's say the Tony Pulis era, where you, young players didn't even appear on the bench. Now they are a viable substitution option, and that's that's very different for from even like the last five years, I guess. Uh, quickly, uh, Tom and Chris, just uh, a one-name answer. Uh, question from Ashley Bennett out of Collins, Tyrese, Verlinden, Jarvis, Lasse and Edwards. Who do you think will make the most first-team appearances? Edwards. 
Yeah, Edwards to be boring. Yeah, uh, I, I think uh, outside of Edwards, possibly Tyrese. Um, Valinden's an interesting one. Uh, I don't know. I don't really know how much he's going to feature. So uh, that would be one to to keep an eye on. But uh, we have to move on. Time is against us. But uh, I want to talk about reasons to be positive about next season because I am seeing uh, some negativity off the back of the Leicester game. But I thought leading up to that, that overall it had been quite a positive pre-season. We'd won a few games. Uh, like we'd, we'd made a few signings. The squad was being freshened up. Um, what what do we think? What Why should we be optimistic about doing well in the Championship next season, Tom? Because we've had a pre-season where we've actually worked on a system and worked on getting ourselves really fit, which I think you could almost arguably say, certainly in sort of my recent memory, the past decade, a bit longer than a decade, we've never really had, because even Pulis wasn't drilling his players tactically, he was running them up hills till they vomited, um, which, yeah, fair play gets them nice and fit for the season, but they aren't necessarily the most fluid uh, style and his style of football was in. But we've got a manager who's come in and said, I want to play football this way. He had a sort of five-month bedding in period where he worked out he couldn't really do it with the squad and needed to assess them, so did that. But now he's got to the pre-season, he said, I'm going to play this way. He's not said, oh, well, I was successful with this formation at Luton, but because I was successful with that, I don't really want to try it again, so I'm going to do something different. Um, And we've worked on this diamond and I don't agree with the people who said we didn't look comfortable in it yet. There will always be weaknesses out wide, but that's something that the squad will grow into and in theory shouldn't be a problem the more we keep the ball. Um, And we have kept the ball and we have scored goals and we've won a load of bloody matches and we've scored a load of bloody goals. I, I, I just like... I understand this urge to be negative from being scorned last season, but... Crap, mm-hmm. like, I don't know what more we could have done apart from maybe scored a few more goals against Leicester that we should have done for people to be more positive about this season. Well, one person who is positive is uh, Rupert on Twitter who says, I'm worried about nobody. The Stoke City sexy football train has no brakes and is steaming into platform one of Championship Station. So, uh, Chris, <laughs> choo, choo. Uh, give me uh, reasons to be cheerful. Part uh, 170, please. Okay, reasons to be cheerful. Um, mainly, we're, we're st- right, stick with me with this one. We're still in the championship. And that may be like, oh, that's not, that's not a good thing. But it is. When you think the alternative is oh, we could have been relegated or we could have been in the Premier League and preparing for a boring season, the championship is by far the best league that is in... Well, it's definitely the best league in English football. It's certainly one of the best leagues in the world. You've got an array of interesting uh, of teams down here. There's teams who play really, really good football, and we are becoming one of them. I think that yesterday's performance showed that we are a team that is growing in our confidence and a team that is only going to get better from here on in. I think that... Nathan Jones is a manager who doesn't speak in cliches, and that's really refreshing. He's I, I genuinely love finding out his post-match videos and listening to the guy speak, because he 
doesn't just say the same old boring stuff. He's he's very impassioned man, and he's a very knowledgeable man. And if he can get this team playing the style that he wants, which we're all on the right tracks to doing, then I think that we're on for a very decent season. Whether that is an automatic promotion, I'm not overly sure that that is the case. But I certainly think that compared to last season, which was forgettable and boring and disappointing, I think that this season can only be better than that. And we will have a lot of nice memories this coming season. (laughs) Well, that's what it's all about, I suppose. Um, Yeah. That's uh, certainly made me feel a lot better. Uh, we'll go on to our kind of predictions and where we think we'll end up and perhaps some more reasons to be maybe slightly more dubious later on in the the show. Uh, question from Matt Smith. What Matt Swift. Uh, how many games is it fair to judge the system over? Uh, so at what point will we know if Jonesy's Diamond is forever, Tom? Three. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, see, I, 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 this is a boring answer, really. I say it's fluid. It sort of depends on certain things because if we use the system against QPR and there's clear tactical failings and we haven't addressed them by the next game, then, yeah, it's fair play, question them, but question them proportionally to things. Don't If, it, if, if one game we're playing against a 4-4-2 team or a 4-3-3 team, you just bomb it out wide and we get sort of done a little bit because they have a few chances out wide and score from them. Don't immediately say, right, well then, this this diamond nonsense, sack it off, doesn't work. Need to go back to whatever <laughs> I want us to play. Just be understanding. But I'd say I feel that Jones will want the players to be with this system from day one. I think he will not be giving people, from the sort of, I agree with what Chris was saying, I love listening to him speak, but he does have that, intensity I feel if people are making tactical mistakes and not being with it especially seeing as everyone's pretty much had a full pre-season he will not be happy and he will Mm. chop and change if it's not working I like the diamond I think it's a potentially very exciting move for us it was interesting what you're saying about uh, the oh if a team plays 4-4-2 and kind of does us over with the wing play would that not just would the criticism not be justified though because he's clearly very wedded to this system and if the system has uh, an obvious flaw in it won't every side try and capitalize on it yeah but i feel it's and christ this is so arrogant i'm about to compare nathan jones and us to uh, guardiola and man city so early apologies um guys guys Gu- you have to put the silver <laughs> <laughs> hate me if you're going to hate me hate me guys hate me guys <laughs> I, uh, I look forward to Amazon's documentary tracking Stokes uh, failure on the last few days of the season two game promotion no but I feel half of the defensive plan with Jones is well we're going to be so damn dominant in possession and so good on the initial transition of losing possession in counter pressing that Yes, we'll be weak out wide if we just sat there and let teams run down our wings. But if teams are sat there, if we're sat there letting teams run down our wings, it isn't the diamond that's gone wrong. It's it's other things. It's Stoke haven't kept the ball well enough. Stoke haven't counter-pressed well enough. 
things have weaknesses. I don't think there's any system, any football system that doesn't have a weakness. For example, Guardiola's Man City defend with one player normally. So if they lose the ball and you can get past them very quickly, you tend to have a really good chance. But they're so damn good at keeping the ball and Guardiola won't say, oh, well, we lost today because we left too many men forward. He'll say we lost today because we didn't keep the ball well enough. We didn't go and get the ball as soon as we've lost it. Then there's a nuance to it all. It's not... But yeah, I think that's my point that the the thing the thing with the with the diamond and this is to use a Guardiolaism his Guardiola's main thing is that if you're playing uh, two midfielders will play three it's about overloading areas of the pitch so if we're we're playing with four midfielders and then you've got the width but with the fullbacks pushing up yeah sure there's a lot of space out wide but if the opposition team chooses to sacrifice players in midfield by keeping players up in wide positions then more for them we are crowding midfield we have more players there it's up to as tom says it's up to us to keep possession of the ball and to use possession wisely and to be able to shut down any counter attacks very very quickly and that's why the fullbacks are very very key in this role they need to be really good uh, offensively but have the work rate and the ability to get back and into position as as um, I mean, I've just reiterated your point entirely there, Tom. But if if we were to lose a goal down because they the opposition team has kept players out wide and further up the pitch, then that's purely our own fault. It's not because uh, oh yeah, well Nathan Jones is playing a, a shit system. We we. It has a new. It has numerous advantages, and crowding that midfield, I think, is something that we we desperately need to do. Because... Yeah, and just, just just to jump in, Leicester scored their two goals when they moved to the diamond system. So yes, they yes, came from wide yeah. areas, but we coped when they were playing two wide men out wide. And it probably is more those other failures that we've both just talked about that led to those goals. Oh that came from wide areas, but they weren't necessarily the wide areas that were the weakness, if that makes any sense. That, that may, yeah, and, and to, mm. I know you're going to love it, Tom, but their second goal didn't come... Sure, James McLean will learn the position well, but the their goal isn't a direct result of James McLean. It's midfield not tracking their runner. It's Joe Allen not being in the right positions. He's not followed through, because that's the thing. Like As much as giving up the width is can be seen as a negative thing. You've got full uh, uh, midfielders there, two of them. You have your defensive midfielder who sits back, your more advanced midfielder, your Nick Powells, sitting. Those are your two playmakers. Your two either side of that, your Allens, your Klukases, your Atebos, they're your engine. They are running back and forth, back and forth. They, in a defensive transi- transition, need to be getting back as well. So... They're, they need to be closing down that space out wide as well. And Joe Allen didn't do that yesterday for that second goal. Hmm. Right. Uh, yeah. So tactical question asked bloody, and pretty bloody much. Hell, we, that was answered. a real football. That was a real football thing on this podcast. What was that about? I know. It's like you've needed me this whole time just to facilitate. You didn't know you had it in you guys. <laughs> Pissing my Can we go back to talking about Love Island? Chat. Yeah. For fuck's sake. Um, 
we'll uh, just briefly interlude with kind of uh, podcast admin and that, uh, just to kind of steer the conversation away from Love Island. Uh, Patreon.com <laughs> is still very much a thing, and we are very grateful for anyone who's donating uh, $1 a month to keep the podcast uh, fully functioning, and in return we are trying to put stuff out uh, on Patre- Patreon, either exclusively or uh, before it comes out on the main channel. So case in point being the Stoke City Years series with myself and Tony Lloyd going through every single Stoke City season and trying to review it somehow. Uh, so they're getting the Stoke City Years episodes in advance on patreon.com forward slash Wizards of Drivel. Uh, and I think the fifth episode went out on your normal everyday muggle Wizards podcast feed uh, today. So uh, hope you're enjoying them. Uh, by all means, uh, our usual Facebook, Twitters, Instas are always open for you to get in touch. And if you want to get involved in the podcast and you know speak your brains, speak unto us uh, as a part of the show, uh, there will be definitely uh, opportunities for that this season for you to uh, don the wizard's cloak and uh, I think and extend the these metaphors to an acceptable <laughs> level um yeah so that's a good pot, potted history uh there will be more very soon there'll be more on that very soon uh nothing committed yet stokes of years we're, we're trying to churn out uh, at an acceptable rate for mine and tony's sanity um <laughs> new theme tune this year as mentioned uh last week merriman that's what we're going with um as uh kindly uh, let us use that for this season so uh, we are delighted with that and uh, kind of sort of keeping off the pitch if you like uh, the final issue of the oat cake will be uh, at the QPR game which is crazy because it's been going all of my Stoke supporting lives all of our all of our Stoke supporting lives it's been going for 31 years now and its final edition will be at that first home game of the season so a kind of a collective doff of the cap uh, from all at Wizards uh, HQ and yeah that is just completely mad that uh, the Oatcake won't be there anymore but kind of uh, in with the new if you like uh, Unita 1863 the fan group will be fully operational for this season and I'm bloody looking forward to that QPR game and seeing what uh, these guys put together I gather that a lot of people have switched their season tickets over to that corner where those guys will be set up I've seen a lot of banners on social media uh, and I really really hope it takes off because if we can generate a home atmosphere next season alongside possibly playing a lot more positively on the pitch then oh it's exciting Anyone mm. want to jump in on any of that? Yeah, um, I, 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 yeah. Obviously, the oat cake has been going for ages, and I just want to say, well done, and they will be missed. And yeah, it, it, reflecting the unit of stuff, that is, I really hope, going to be great. Um, and and anyone who has switched over, well done, you. Um, and I hope 
everyone who has sort of gets that fun. I think I think that's why the lads are doing it. They're trying to create that away day carnival atmosphere at a home match. And yeah, I'm already seeing like beautiful pictures of Nathan Jones and the Victoria Stoke squad, like with like they're really muddied because they've fought really hard mm-hmm. and like some of them have got like ripped shirts and they're studs and you can see the units. Oh, it's just it's just a really nice photo. We're just gonna be such a photogenic club now. <laughs> Especially with all these handsome players, am I right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, you have been listening. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's been a busy summer, kind of sort of fan media based. I, I mentioned the kind of 32,000 other podcasts uh, that are going on. Uh, Tom, I believe you're going to be uh, hatching one uh, on this feed possibly very soon. Yeah, Tuesday, I think, is when. We're supposed to record, so I don't know how many days that's going to be from when you've listened to it, or even could be have already have happened. But please, if you want anything statsy or analyticsy, question wise, just tweet me or tweet someone. I'm sure I'll find it. I don't do much. I'll find it. Don't <laughs> worry. What's what's the what's the show, Tom? What will you it, be? What give us a flavour? It's so it's going to be a a preview. So you know the conversation me and you have just had, Chris, where we talked about football and actually like bits about football, and it was in depth. I'm going to try and do that for longer than like a two minute conversation. I'm going to try and do it for forty five minutes with uh, with George, who you might have heard on another one of the thirty two thousand Stoke City podcasts. Why 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 talking about. Uh, him and Stoke and analytics. So yeah, it should be fun. Listen. Oh, does that mean there's capacity for me to do a podcast where I talk about uh, my new friend's Wheatus and teenage dirtbag? <laughs> uh, D- yes. Dave's face says it all. Your face <laughs> says it all, Dave. Um, we'll move on. We'll move on. Um, I just had a, a quick section called. Air reasons to be concerned. Uh, I don't really want to dwell on this too much because it's it's less fun. Um, we we mentioned kind of the left back thing, so that's been done to death. Uh, the pace thing is something that continues to rear its head. For uh, as good as we may or may not look, uh, pace is an issue that keeps being brought up. Uh, I don't remember Stoke having a player with pace since basically Cameron Jerome, and he was a bit shit. <laughs> so <laughs> what do we mean when we say pace? Do we mean just by that lad from Swansea who's now at Man United? Or where where, <laughs> where does it go? What do we do with it? I think pe- what people are after is they're wanting, they're wanting to see us uh, have strikers who will get in behind the lines. So... Mm what they're looking for that is balls been played clever through balls been played and fast options up front being able to run through one-on-one with the keeper etc which yeah sure that sound that's that's great um but equally i think you'll find that less and less teams are being able to 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 rely solely on that way i know Le- like leicester when they won the title famously that's kind of all they did but i think teams are wise to that type of counter-attacking football um and so a lot is based on being clever with our passing sure it would be pace is always is always great and acceleration is always great to wrong foot a player 
Um, and that is it is a concern of mine is that it's not so much that I don't think a phobia and Vokes are are quick. Although I don't think they're the, they're the fastest players in the world. I think I think people are misunderstanding quickness and pace with movement. And I do question our movement sometimes with our strikers in the box. I, I, their positioning sometimes seems very, very static. Balls will be coming in and they will not be moving around trying to uh, misstep defenders. That is a concern. That is genuinely a concern of mine. I hope it's something that. I know that a lot gets said that oh, once strikers get scoring, that kind of natural instinct on finding space comes back to them, and I hope that that is the case. But for for me, there is still one or two questions over the striking options. Not because I don't think that they're they're quick, and that we just suddenly we need a fast runner, a Cameron Jerome, etc. I think it's more to do with the fact that I just I question our ability to to create based on our strikers moving, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I I totally get that. Could the solution come in the form of Mr. Dwight Gale Force Gale of uh, Newcastle and and being, quote-unquote, the answer fame, if uh, anyone is old enough to remember Lee Trundle or Ah. Rob Hulse or we we, and Dean Ashton... We yeah, kind yeah. of proper fetishise strikers sometimes. We proper just uh, throw Jermaine a lot Defoe. in. Jermaine Defoe. Like, we we, uh, we as Stoke fans just tend to uh, have our hearts set on uh, a particular striker at any given point in our history. And they yeah. never end up joining, for one thing. But also, um, would they have ever really been the answer Maybe the real 20th season goal scorer is the friends we made along the way. But uh, the, <laughs> the, the question is uh, from Marcus, uh, would your prediction for us this season change uh, if we signed Dwight Gale for £20 million or not? Uh, would it have a significant bearing on how you thought we would do? Going to lean real close to the microphone. No. Uh, yeah, I just don't buy this signing the striker who scored a load of goals last season will fix everything. I'm I'm inverse to, to everything that's just been talked about, about pace and creating chances and that problem. I'm more concerned with them putting them away. Benikafobi has got the yips. We can't score penalties. I, I think there was mm. three situations where we were in behind Leicester. Um, Afobi won a penalty. Folks missed the penalty. Afobi got in behind hit a terrible shot into Schmeichel's foot. Um, and then McLean was like through for the half and, you know, his touch was awful and he just took a shot and got jeered. So uh, <laughs> I don't think signing Dwight Gale helps. So, so, but is he not a natural finisher who can put away said chances? Yeah, we're just cursed though, aren't we? Like, there's a ghost. <laughs> there's the... the, the, the the ghost of I don't know who shall I pick? Maybe Sammy Bangora. That's where he went missing. He <laughs> he went down a well and turned into a ghost, oh, no. and he's now haunting us all. I think <laughs> I think a lot of Soak uh, players have ended up like the uh, nuclear power plant softball team from The Simpsons, where all just unfortunate <laughs> events keep happening to them. So one is gigantism. One's been arrested for some reason. Oh, Stoke Striker being arrested, that's an odd thought. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah, so kind of whilst remaining on the reasons to be concerned 
uh, next season. Uh, penalties. We missed another pen. It's still not funny. I don't know what to do. What do we do about the penalties? Chris, one I mean, word. What do we do about the penalties? Laugh. Laugh. Tom, one this word. This is the only thing you can do. Butland. Butland. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, okay, we're going to briefly, we're going to very soon move on to the uh, all-important predictions. Uh, I did revisit last season predictions, lads, and uh, Tom, you made a titty yourself. Uh, ben Rowley, he made a titty of himself. Uh, I uh, maintained some some dignity by predicting third for us, so uh, <laughs> I was two places below you and Ben anyway. Um, uh, other championship clubs, uh, any other championship clubs catching your eye this summer in terms of who they've bought in, uh, any kind of ones you'd maybe tip as a dark horse for promotion? Because I don't think there's a particular standout club. There are certain mm. clubs who are very... Uh, maybe well-backed, and I think Fulham, for example, have a very, very good squad on paper, but I wouldn't say there's like a huge standout candidate for me, but what do you guys think? I, I agree on the Fulham front. They have a very scary front three, which would be um, Cavalero, Mitrovic and Knockart. Um, mm. But we had a very scary front three, apparently, when we went into the start of last season, and I don't know, Scott Parker hasn't been tested and Fulham fans seem to be as arrogant as we were, which is clearly a bad thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Bristol City, everyone keeps talking about Bristol City and how much good transfers they've done. And yeah, signing signing Jada Silva really hurt me, actually. Um, And Callas is is another good signing, but they've basically got the same squad as they did last season. So I don't know why people are talking about them being better. I think Leeds have actually got worse. A little bit. Um, I understand Janssen wasn't there, wasn't necessarily Bielsa's favourite player and didn't fit his system, but they've replaced him with a like 18-year-old from Brighton's under-23s. I'm not sold on that one. I really like, as an outsider, Blackburn. I feel Ooh. that Tony Mowbray is often unfairly lumped in with other English managers of the same age and of the same sort of coaching generation as him um, I think he's, he's a bit, before. yeah and he's a bit more progressive I think as far as I'm aware they're trying to press a bit more this season and he's brought in um, Sam Gallagher from Southampton to help him with that they've made some other interesting ish transfers very Blackburny I think they've signed Stuart Downing um, and just some <laughs> other free transfers but they've got two of the best centre-halves in the league who've played for each other for like two or three seasons now um, and Bradley Duck is nearly as good as a certain number 10 who might play for Stoke now. Um, but yeah, I like Blackburn. I think they might sneak up on everyone. Ooh, that's an interesting one. Uh, yeah, I read uh, Gab Sutton's uh, preview piece for Bet Victor, which I think had Leeds and Bristol City as his top two. Stoke were fourth, which I thought was perhaps Fifth. a little generous, but we, we can Fifth. get to our own. Go on. We were fifth, not fourth. Fifth, fifth. Sorry, my mistake. Um, Yeah, so like I said, not many kind of clear standouts. Uh, Romain Sawyer's going back to West Brom, I thought was a good signing for them, but I think they're a bit of a mess off the pitch. Similarly, Swansea uh, also kind of, they they could be a lot better, but they got rid of, well, they didn't get rid of Grain Pot. Grain Pot was nabbed, so you Mm -hmm. kind of think they might be up shit creek. 
Brentford are a team all people always kind of tout about the the top six places, but whether they've got the the legs for it, whether their manager will be will be poached is a another matter entirely. But Pontus Janssen to uh, Brentford, that's a that is a tasty one. Uh, Chris, uh, any any standout teams, or maybe some teams you think are just going to be shit next season? Yeah. <laughs> um. I. Well, I really really like the look of 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 Barnsley this season. And last season, to be fair, not for. I don't think they'll be troubling for for playoffs or anything, but I do think they will uh, be a team that some your Fulhams may underestimate. And uh, last season, they were really, really fun to watch. Um, and whilst they've lost some key players, namely to us, um, the the Barnsley model for the last few years has been really, really good at finding replacements. They they seem to have a really good system in in place. Um, I think they're they're owned by like the, or they've got a lot to do with the guy who like wrote Moneyball. I feel that that's ah. something that happens with Barnes. Like that, yeah, they got took over a few years back, and then the guy who like wrote the book is seemingly involved. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, so I, I really I really like them. They play some really really decent uh, looking stuff at times. Um, I think. That it's weird. I'm looking at the list of teams now, and there's so many who I actually think, oh, I don't think you're going to have a good season. I think Derby won't have a particularly good season. <laughs> oh, tasty. <laughs> uh, I think. Drink it. <laughs> Philippe Koku, potentially interesting, but without six Chelsea low knees, you know what? Sodia. It just, but we've. I feel like we've heard this. This could be wishful thinking on my part, but I feel like we've heard this story before. You know, exciting manager comes in. Oh, it's going to be. Yeah, we're going to be fantastic, and then, oh, it, it just it just what? all falls what? apart. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This was literally our story a year ago. I've just got in my notes Birmingham, Reading, by with like eighties. I think Birmingham have lost. <laughs> The two things that kept them up last season, Che Adams and Gary Monk, they're screwed. Um, and Reading have signed someone who, oh, I'd like <laughs> to see him get relegated. Oh, that would be, be fun. A warm feeling. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah uh, just to, I'll, I will link this uh, Gabriel Sutton Championship team by team preview because I think it is quite interesting uh, in the. Uh, in the description for this episode, but he's at Football Lab on Twitter, I believe. Yeah, Stoke are fourth, Tom. It, it goes Leeds United, Bristol City, Fulham, Stoke, Brentford, and Swansea uh, are his top six picks. Uh, Swansea, bit of a curveball there, I, I'd say. Oh. Um, but down the bottom, he's got... Uh, I have to scroll through. Uh, Sheffield Wednesday in 22nd. Uh, Wigan in 23rd and Charlton in 24th. Charlton, potentially the whipping boys this season. They've just come up through the playoffs. Uh, their fans hate the owners. Uh, Lebo, yeah, looked like he was going to go, but then he signed and then they're just a bit weird. Um, so, yeah, but this is the championship where uh, anyone can be anyone, trademark and all the rest of it. But the real question is, how are Stoke City going to do this season uh, we'll just have one question before we finally reveal the predictions uh, from Topher Knowles uh, by the way Topher Knowles that uh, that team picture that ultimate Stoke team picture that he's putting putting together mm-hmm. has gone great guns over the summer so definitely uh, follow Topher Knowles on Twitter for 
fantastic uh, artwork and stuff and just uh, a fantastic project he's doing uh, on the social medias. But uh, he asks, who are your top three contenders for scapegoats to blame for everything and anything this year? So if we have one scapegoat each, uh, I'm going to say that um, Corinthians, the football club who... (laughs) Uh, would never score penalties. I I will blame them. They're, they are going to be uh, my scapegoat for the year because I think somehow uh, they have infected the consciousness of our players and festered. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go for Eric Peters um, as the scapegoat for this season because he was our left-back for so long that we forgot about the idea of bringing other left-backs in, and that might be a weakness. So it will be, obviously, Eric Peters' fault and not anyone else's. And I'm going to go for the newly installed uh, cashless, contactless system that's in place. <laughs> uh, because because everything was fine before that, weren't it? And now we've got that. looks all gone downhill. Brilliant stuff. Now then, predictions time. Uh, I've got four categories if you like, uh, where we'll finish our top goal scorer this season, our player of the season shouts, and kind of any other random ones you can think of. So, uh, all important one, reminder, last season we said first, first and third. I don't think we're going to do that this time. I think we've learned our lesson. Chris, where are Stoke City going to finish this season? Uh, um, I'm... Be, I'm being. This is me being positive. Uh, sixth place. Chris Brammer has said sixth place. Uh, yeah. Tom, where are Stokes going to finish? I've tempered my expectations from my first pick from last season, and I have gone with second. We're going to finish second. Oh, Jesus. <sighs> I'm going uh, to bring that down just a tad. Uh, and say Stoke City are going to finish 11th this season. Oh. Our top goal goal scorer shouts. Uh, Just a quote from Ben Locke. Uh, Apart from a lack of top-class left-back, Jones has very quietly and cheaply put together a squad that should get us into the playoffs minimum. Uh, So Chris and Tom both agreeing with that, I guess. Uh, Top goal scorer, uh, I'm going to say that Nick Powell... From midfield, no less, will be our top goal scorer. I'm also going to say Nick Powell. I've even got how many goals he's going to score. He's going to score 21 goals to be our top goal scorer from there because he was that got a Green a... Day song. <laughs> 21 goals. Yeah, good, good. Um, I thought you liked that kind of shit, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Green Day. No, li- no, because they didn't win. Wheatus won. My <laughs> friends at Wheatus who follow me on Twitter, they won now. I'm all about them. I'm genuinely. I, I thought you'd I listen to ma- Iron Maiden, maybe. Baby, I, uh, for, yeah, first band I ever went to see, actually, Dave. Well done. Gen- my my main thing. I'm really subtly trying to get Wheatus to be Stoke fans, and then maybe they'll come on this. That would be awesome. <laughs> the dream. Are, are, are we are we kicking Merriman off the theme tune if uh, we actually become our friends? <laughs> that would be something. Get Wheatus into into the bet three six five. Is this our campaign for this season? Yeah, 
Yeah. We, we to sit the at the back. Get him down. Yeah. Meters. Hashtag, hashtag will be Weetus. <laughs> will be Weetus. <laughs> right. It's reached. It's, it's clearly reached the silly point in the show. But my I think, top goal scorer. Come on. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, what I'm saying is to anyone listening, uh, when you interact uh, with us on Twitter, just tag Weetus in and saying. Yeah. Uh, get we we just should support Stoke. Just like just ask them, please support Stoke Wheatus. The and <laughs> if you don't know who Wheatus are, they're the band who sang Teenage Dirtbag and many other, I'm sure, fantastic hits. Uh, but who's your who's your top goal scorer, Chris? Tom's Tom's gonna love this one. My top goal scorer is Joe Allen. <laughs> what? Oh no! Yeah. What? Yeah, yeah. Is he gonna score like eight? How can he be Stoney's top scorer yeah. from Yeah, Bournemouth? it's gonna be. It's gonna be in my head. Goals are gonna be widespread. I don't think we're gonna solve the striker issue. I don't think like a is gonna suddenly knock in twenty goals a season. So I think whilst in my prediction we're gonna just get into the playoffs, maybe on the last day, goals are gonna be spread few and far. Well, no, amongst the team. And so Joe Allen is gonna be like top goal scorer with yeah seven or eight goals. Okay, player of the season shouts now. Uh, Jace has gone for Sam Klukas as a kind of outsider bet for player of the season. Who is your player of the season uh, shout, Tom Thrower? Fresh from a summer, locked up in my basement, mm. Ogeni Karo Etebo is gonna have he's, he's gonna have his break. He's gonna come back in a week. He's gonna be great. We're gonna keep him. No one's gonna sign him. And he's going to win everything. He might win young player. He might win old player. He might win all of the like best championship XI. will just be Ogunikaro Etebo. It'll just be our Pete. Yeah. Lovely. Chris? Yeah, yeah. I was going to go with the same there, I'm afraid. I think that he, he showed last season that he is a very, very good player. And this season, hopefully, we won't have the disaster that was inconsistency with Gary Rowett so he yeah like the last few times I've watched him play he's been clearly Mm. the best player we have in the side so yes him and him away he's not going to outscore Joe Allen though yeah of course not Uh, clearly (laughs) uh, I consider Peter Acebo to be our best player but I think uh, this season Danny Bart will uh, scoop the award Um, perhaps uh, maybe carrying on from last season's form. Uh, any other random shouts? Um, Ashley Bennett has a has a random shout for stuff that might happen this season. He says, Mo Sanko will make at least one senior appearance this season, this being our uh, young Dutch international under-17 protégé. Uh, that's definitely a bold shout, considering the likes of Campbell, Verlinden, etc., uh, not fully in the first team picture, but that would be exciting if it were to happen. Any other kind of random things you expect or suspect will happen this season? Yeah, that Sanko show, shout is mental. He's 15. He's 15 like... years old. He's only 15 <laughs> years old. <laughs> My random shout um, is 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 we're going to have, like, Harry Maguire. We all thought he was king of the slab heads, king from set pieces, scored loads of goals. Danny Barr 
is going to tell Harry Maguire to hold his beer and Danny Barr will score double-figure goals this season because we're going to be great from corners. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, my random shout for the season, it's a bit of a stretch, so bear with me. But I, and I, I, don't ask me why, I genuinely do believe this, but I think that Delilah's will be open after the full time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I can't see it myself, but it's always good to dream. Um, mine is that our penalty curse will continue, uh, but will be halted. Uh, by us winning a penalty shootout. So we'll Ooh. continue to miss in the league, but there will come a cup, league cup, or playoff, potentially, uh, game where the curse is lifted via uh, us winning on spot kicks. So I think uh, that's nearly it from us. Uh, kind of any other business, uh, we have a fantasy football league, if you remember, if you remember, what's it called? The Prem, Premier League. Um if you if you play the fantasy football for for that competition, uh, our league code is nine P V A A three nine P V A A three. So come and uh, do it for about four weeks until you forget about it, and then just mm-hmm. hopefully you've got a team that wins by the end of the season. Uh, continue to keep an eye on our Patreon on on wizardsofdrivel.com, where there is quality content going up on the reg um oh did you see about port vale's fines thing that was bizarre <laughs> they've got fines for pissing in the shower like just <laughs> and th- there was a really weird one which was like correct footwear in gym five pound fine <laughs> so I, d- I don't know what's happening they're such a weird l- little bunch aren't they what port do you vale. think is the wrong footwear in the gym like what are they clown looking? shoes? They... Yeah, <laughs> bowling shoes, clogs, rollerblades, industrial rollerblades. Boots. Rollerblades is asking for trouble on a treadmill. I'll tell you that for free. <laughs> it really is. What little did we realise that Port Vale were actually going to be doing their own version of Starlight Express? <laughs> <laughs> they'd, they'd get a fucking crowd in if they tried it. <laughs> I'd love to see that. <laughs> yes. I think that is it from us uh, in terms of the season preview. Uh, we've we've kind of laid our cards on the table. My more negative card, uh, Tom's positive card. But Chris, you've you've kind of gone where the uh, I'd say the broadly the consensus lies. Like <laughs> pl- playoff place would be great. Just outside there, maybe a few people are tipping us. Uh, but yeah, the the proof. Of the pudding, or the proof of the oat cake is in the eating. So we'll <laughs> we will watch with bated breath. QPR at home in less than a week's time. Fucking hell, it's here. We're back and we're ready for it all over again. Chris, thank you very much. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, everyone. Shit on it. Go on, Stoke. <laughs> Bags with the tip of the tap before the dawn of the dressing gown.